Hi, Mark. Hi, Steve. Well, we here we are again. Yes, we, had we are. One week hiatus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I want to talk about today? I was uh, I was away actually. I know up the up the coast. We had some nice weather, so we'll talk a little bit about that. Where exactly did you go? Uh, well, we seem to go uh, up up the same area every for the for the last few years anyway. Just up the coast here, north of uh, Vancouver. I guess it's slightly north. It's really not very far. It's a mm-hmm. You know, 35-minute boat ride. Um, it's called the Sunshine Coast. You take a ferry, uh, about 40 minutes, and then we we went up to we drove up to a lake, which is an hour from the other side of the ferry, uh, Sackinaw Lake. It was called, which was um, actually great because the weather was so hot. And it's always nice to be in a lake where the temperature is a little warmer and uh, fresh water, of course, as opposed to uh, the salt water here in the ocean, where we uh, normally do our swim- swimming. Um, so we were at the lake for three or four days, and then we stopped at another friend who lived uh, along the coast. They have uh, these are all summer places that uh, friends have, and uh, we like to stop in on our friends that have summer places. It's a very economical way to vacation. You know, it's interesting that it's called the Sunshine Coast. <laughs> Actually, here, it's a rainforest. I mean, it's a little less rainy up there. It's not rainy in the summer. In the winter, it rains there as much as here, I think. I mean, it's not very far away. It's about, uh, as I said, it's uh, and, and it's even uh, in kilometers. As the crow flies, as they say, it's it's even... Less far, but it's uh, you know forty minutes away by by ferry. But actually, they do get less rain than we do. Okay. And especially the further north you go, like Powell River, apparently they get half as much rain as really? we do. Really, Powell River is actually a beautiful, yeah, beautiful location. I mean, that's that's not to say they don't get rain because that I guess that just tells you how much rain we get. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, Powell River, it's it's beautiful, and you can tell by the vegetation there. More Douglas fir and mm-hmm. uh, sort of arbutus trees, and less cedar and less yeah. hemlock. So, uh, but hey, you know what I want to talk about? Uh, you know that I like to go to bookstores. <laughs> they uh, bookstores have a special uh, shrine <laughs> devoted to you. <laughs> You're a right, and uh, so I mean, I do have a lot of books, and I like buying books, and I think books are great value. You know, fifteen dollars, and you've got something that you spend a lot of time with. You go back to, and I like looking at books that I've read before. Anyway. One of the sections that I like to go to, of course, is the language section. Mm-hmm. So I went to the language section just to see what people are up to. And machine gun a few link cards. <laughs> well, I have there. some link cards to hand out. <laughs> but it was interesting to see people are developing these... You know, I mean, the, the idea is that really people don't want to... A, they don't want to spend much money, and B, they want to learn it right away. Right. So now there's more and more sort of uh, Chinese in a day. Right. Ten dollars. <laughs> I think sure Chinese learn Chinese in a day only ten dollars. Why wouldn't I? <laughs> right. And then they've also got things that work with your iPod. Although mm-hmm. those are things that, that anyone can do really. You just right. fill up things in your iPod that you can then easily see in the in the menu. But uh, and there was one girl there who was uh, interested in Japanese, so I chatted with her for a while, and her boyfriend was Mexican, so I chatted with him. Two link cards handed out. <laughs> And then this fellow arrives, and he's got one of the shop, you know, the bookstore assistants. Right, yeah. And he's also looking at Japanese. Mm -hmm. 
And so she shows him the Michelle Thomas series, which is like eight CDs, $99. Right. And so I can't resist. So I say, no. Well, you want to buy the cheapest thing you can find. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, why? I said, first of all, because you may not continue. Right. You know, and most people buy something and they never do anything with it. Or they try it for, a, you know, a, a week and then it uh, gathers dust in the corner. Mm-hmm. So, so I said, first of all, for that reason, and second of all, because you want to really only have this sort of starter type content for a short while. I would buy, in fact, my strategy in the past has been to buy two starter sets. Uh-huh. By, when I started on Korean about five, six years ago, buy the Teach Yourself and buy the Colloquial. Mm-hmm. And they cover the same ground. And mm-hmm. I just listen mm-hmm. and listen. And so I said, I said to him, I said, no, Teach Yourself is quite good. Why don't you get the Teach Yourself Japanese? Mm-hmm. So the, the, the lady there said, uh, Oh, no, no. Uh, I wouldn't take that because I bought the Teach Yourself for... Uh, ancient English and I didn't like how the grammar was organized <laughs> well you told me that earlier and I thought that A you know okay whatever she wants to learn ancient English <laughs> for whatever reason um, is anyone going to care if her grammar's not to bang on is anyone going to notice well, I mean who point, knows what, well, the, the grammar is, of ancient English well exactly like uh, I'm sure the grammar of ancient English is more complicated than the grammar of modern English. Right. But, uh, you know, I'm sure... Like, Russian grammar is complicated. Mm-hmm. As long as all I'm doing is reading mm-hmm. and listening, I don't really have to have that much grammar. Mm-hmm. I can kind of figure it out. Right. And and besides which, I pointed out, you know, the order in which you think it should be organized may not be the order in which the brain uh, wants to learn it. And you can mm-hmm. always go to the index if you're interested in you know, whatever, right. participles, or I have no idea what's in ancient English. Mm-hmm. But at any rate, no, I mean, you don't want to uh, belittle, I mean, that's what she likes to do, so that's fine. Right. But it was interesting because this fellow said, uh, so I said, yeah, you should come to Link, but I said, with Japanese, you know, uh, our Japanese program is only about 80% effective compared mm-hmm. to the programs for other languages because of this issue of the Asian languages not being, you know, not being divided. Right. And he said, oh, it doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't have to be Japanese. Oh, I said, well, why? Well, he says, I just want to learn any language. <laughs> I said, well, why? He said, because he had an accident. Mm-hmm. And so he had some brain damage. Right. And uh, he says sometimes he has trouble finding words, and he thinks it would be useful for him mm-hmm. to learn another language, to take his mind off this problem that he has. Right. I said, it's possible that it, it could. I mean, we do know that the brain, even if it's been damaged, it continues to create neurons. Mm-hmm. It continues to to re- renew itself, right. rejuvenate itself. I mean, people who, who all of a sudden become blind develop mm-hmm. the neural networks to read Braille right. at age 40. And as you say, I mean, learning one language very often helps you in another. So right. obviously the same should hold true for your native language. Learning another language should help be your native language. That's right. They're picking up the garbage next door. <laughs> so, um, so I thought that was interesting. So, I, of course, I handed him a link card. Of course, you did. <laughs> so, but it was interesting that uh, so you have the two, I guess, extremes. You have on the one hand, you have the two three hundred dollar. Oh, of course, he asked me what I thought of Rosetta Stone, which I guess uh, recently Rosetta Stone offered to send you a, a sample. Well, that's right because I I, I published a, sort of a critique of Rosetta Stone 
on my blog, mm-hmm. which I entitled Seven Reasons Why I Would Not Use Rosetta Stone. <laughs> right. Uh, although I pointed out that I have not personally used it. Right. But you've used it. Yeah. I've heard from you, and I read a number of reviews on the Internet, mm-hmm. uh, many of which, they were all positive. Right. Most of them were written by people who were in some way connected with Rosetta Stone. Right. And, and that doesn't surprise me. Rosetta Stone are tremendous marketers. Mm-hmm. If you go to Google and put learn any language, mm-hmm. Azerbaijani, right. I don't care, Finnish, Rosetta Stone will come up top. And, and I mean, everybody has heard of them more and more. Like when I used Rosetta Stone, and that was maybe uh, seven, eight years ago, it was nowhere near the the household name that it's become, and, and people didn't know about it. It was kind of new. Here's this thing, Rosetta Stone. But now, everybody. everybody I talk to, even people aren't who aren't necessarily interested in language learning. When I mention what I do, oh yeah, are you kind of like uh, Rosetta Stone, or they've heard of it? Was that uh, software Rosetta Stone? Yeah, that's it. And and of course. I mean, I think this is good. I, I'm, I don't want to knock Rosetta Stone because it's what it is. It's it's good. It promotes the idea that you can learn on your own, and and you have to learn on your own, mm-hmm. and you don't have to go to school. And so all of this is good, and makes people think of learning languages. It's already good. But right. I plus, they had a, a recently they had their IPO, the yeah. initial public offering on the stock market, which just raises awareness it raises if awareness. people hear about it right just in terms of, of yeah. PR value just uh, that that of course uh, adds to that, adds that to the buzz. Uh, buzz about Rosetta Stone but but uh, from what I read you know they they sort of pointed out that you have the sort of multiple choice things where you're picking is you know after hearing going through it once you know is this a bird you know this you hear a word and you got to choose whether it's a bird a car a tree or an airplane or something right and since it's very easy, uh, one argument by one of the supporters of Rosetta Stone was that this makes it very, you know, gratifying. Uh, you, you know, you can hear, right. you can immediately see what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're gratified right away. Whereas right. if you're learning a language, you often have the impression that you're not making any progress. Right. Was one point. But most of the people who commented on my blog just found it boring. And I, my objection, I put it on my blog, is that it's not communicating. It's it's playing little games. Mm-hmm. And most of my activity is listening to my iPod. Right. I, I, I'm in my car, if I'm wandering through a bookstore, if mm-hmm. I'm uh, mowing the lawn, whatever I'm doing. that's I, I gain all this dead time. Right. If I had to sit chained to a computer playing these games, mm-hmm. I wouldn't do it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they even qualify as games, although when I did it... Um, uh, yeah, it's kind of neat at first, and you, you click all the... It's very easy. Like, I sit down, and I can just kind of go through it, and I hardly ever get any... did it for any, Japanese when you were did it for Japanese. Japan. I was living in Japan. I hardly get any wrong. Ding, 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 ding. Ten minutes later, I've done three units. Okay. But how long are you going to sit there doing that? And right. the, the worst part about it is, even if you do sit there and do it, and you know it inside and out... At the end of it all, you're still not very far. You're no. still not capable of communicating, and that was. And I, I think I had a two two levels of it mm-hmm. before I uh, See, I gave that, up, and I would have been far better off uh, getting into the real. 
content, listening to stuff, reading stuff, and well, expanding my vocabulary. Well, exactly, and, and I, that's where somebody else on my on my blog asked me if I knew about the Birkenbiel method, and right. I've never heard of it, but I looked it up on the mm-hmm. web, and I came to the site, and there's a lady in Germany mm-hmm. who has developed a system which, in many ways, is very similar to what we're doing. She right. introduced some elements that are kind of complicated and, I, right. I think, unnecessarily confused, complicated, mm-hmm. things that people are in my mind, not likely to continue doing. Exactly. That's the thing I thought when I saw that. But uh, the principle is that, yes, don't learn, wor- learn words in isolation. Mm-hmm. Don't worry too much about grammar. There, uh, Rosetta Stone also agrees. Right. Uh, and a lot of emphasis on listening, but she separates listening from reading, and you're going to listen to the word-for-word translation. It gets quite complicated. Mm-hmm. But anyway, getting back to this fellow, I, I think that, yeah, what he's doing is he's going to try to train his brain stimulate his brain, uh-huh. exercise his brain by learning another language. Uh-huh. I think that that's a good thing. And that's, in fact, how you learn. Uh-huh. And so with Rosetta Stone, the fact that you could learn the color, the word for the color yellow, right. and never forget it, yeah. it just is not going to happen. No. You're going to forget it. Uh-huh. And only when you've seen yellow in many different situations uh-huh. are you going to remember it. Otherwise, right. I mean, I have... I'm quite good in, in Portuguese. Like colors are difficult. Mm-hmm. I'm quite good in Russian and Portuguese. I find colors difficult. Mm-hmm. Was that green or yellow or red? Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Right. Colors are hard. Mm-hmm. Colors are hard. So are numbers. Numbers are hard for numbers sure. Are numbers hard. are very hard. Very hard. I get a date in Russian. I haven't a clue what date they're talking. About. When I get the, oh yeah, when I get a date in French, I gotta start dissecting it now. Takes me about three seconds after I've heard it before I, I okay, that's what it was. It's surprising what's hard and what's easy. Right. Things that you think would be easy to remember are often hard. Mm-hmm. Things that are hard, you would think are hard, maybe they're easy to remember because they're hard. Right. We don't know how the brain is mm-hmm. going to grab them. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so hopefully that person will get on our website. So yep. language learning as brain rehabilitation <laughs> why not well yeah i mean I, that's uh, they often recommend that for seniors that they study languages to keep mm-hmm. their brain uh active and uh young so uh, by the way on, work a, for him. on another subject uh president obama was in russia mm-hmm. and gave speeches to students and gave speeches to the business community and or at least met with the business community and uh, number and and, and uh, opposition parties and other non-governmental organizations, as well as of course as meeting with the president of Russia and the prime minister of Russia and so forth. And he stressed this idea that you know uh, not all relationships have to be between the president and the president. Mm-hmm. There are many things that that people in society should get more involved. Right. And I read an interesting book about democracy and the democratization of so many things, you know, and which is to some extent what the web is about. To what to some extent mm-hmm. what we're doing in language learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, the power of the publisher. Right. The newspaper publisher, the power of the book publisher, of the of the media empire, mm-hmm. of the teacher, of the school, of all of these institutions is mm-hmm. getting less. Right. Uh, and more and more people can you know, have a blog, have a podcast, mm-hmm. uh, set up a language class online or a language system online. Mm-hmm. And and similarly, at different levels, uh, you know, in our society, there's probably more things that that, uh, that people can do on their own and get the government mm-hmm. out of so much of this stuff. Right. Uh, I mean, we had a bit of a scandal here in Canada over the government 
providing $1.9 million to the Calgary Stampede, mm -hmm. which is an annual tourist event right. where uh, people rope uh, cattle and charge around and probably cattle <laughs> get <laughs> badly done by, which happens to them all the time on a working ranch anyway. <laughs> Uh, and then there was uh, a large amount of money donated for the Gay Pride Parade in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And, of course, since the government is a conservative government and somewhat conservative socially, mm -hmm. uh, there was a great hue and cry that the government spent money on promoting this Gay Pride Parade. And of course, those who are in favor of the Gay Pride Parade say that this is a great tourist attraction. It's a great big party. All kinds of people come. I mean, I don't want to get into the issue of the gay pride parade, mm -hmm. but why is the government handing out $400,000 to the gay pride parade, $1.9 million to the Calgary Stampede? You mean those events would not go on mm -hmm. if the government didn't hand them money? I mean, it's ridiculous. The government should not be in the in the business of giving money to, to anything like well, that. Well, of course, because then what happens is anybody that's got any kind of event their major activity now becomes going after government money. Right. It completely dis distorts everything. Mm -hmm. It's the same you know, as in language teaching. Right. We can't get any, per, any organization that's helping immigrants learn English is never going to look at LINK because mm -hmm. their main modus vivendi, their business model, is extracting more money from government. Right. And, and certainly, I mean, we hear in Russia... Uh, where they're, they're one of the more corrupt countries in the world, according to some international... Apparently, they're ranked behind... I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I, don't, I don't remember the country, but it wasn't high on the list right. of, uh, of non... I mean, they're corrupt. And a big part of it is that the government's in everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, the more government's got its fingers in different things, the more you get these distortions. Right. But uh, this interesting book that I read by a fellow whose name I can't remember... Uh, he has a Muslim name, actually, and he writes for Newsweek, but he wrote a bestseller on democracy, and uh, I, can't, you know, I, I can't remember his name anymore. Oh, uh, but uh, he made the point that this excess of democracy, though, has caused some problems. And in uh, here we are. His name is, I can't remember, Zachariah, Farid Zachariah. And uh, it has caused problems. Like in California, the people have had plebiscite after plebiscite saying, you cannot spend more, more than this on this. You cannot have a deficit. You cannot do this. You can't spend. 40% of the budget has to be spent on education. Mm -hmm. so with the result that their roads are falling apart, they're practically bankrupt. In other words, you get these popular movements where people have a single issue right. that they're totally wrapped up about. Mm -hmm. They have a plebiscite. They win because a motivated minority of people will always win against the vast majority who are yawning on the issue. Mm -hmm. And pretty soon you restrict what government can do. But I guess the problem there is that it's not true democracy because uh, only a motivated portion of the people true. voted on the issue. If this everybody is voted on the issue, then presumably wouldn't have passed. Or may have, but the people would have had to deal with it. And then if you have that for one issue, then you kind of have to have that for all issues. Right. So all of a sudden, okay, 40% is going to schools. Now we have a problem where our roads are falling apart. Should we take some of this money out of schools? And everybody has to vote again. Presumably people will say, yeah, that's a good idea. But right. if you have that plebiscite in isolation, then I don't see how. Well, you can't right. have a combination. You have to open it up. Like uh, That's true. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't. It's, so it's it's really not an access, excess of democracy at all. It's just right. kind of a 
red herring thrown in there. Right. And and uh, this book I read by by Zachariah, he pointed out, which is an interesting book, by the way, it was a New York Times bestseller back in 2003, and, uh, you know, we could have another session on it one day, but uh, he points out that there were a lot of undemocratic governments that were, you know, monarchies, but where mm-hmm. they had the rule of law, where they had right. a number of institutions, yeah. freedom of speech, rule mm-hmm. of law, but the king decided. Right. Anyway. So he's suggesting that democracy is a bad thing? No, he's just he saying that in... it's not necessarily the first step. Right. And his biggest thing is land reform. Right. And that there are many countries where you can't go at them first with democracy if they don't have these other things in place. Right. Well, that could It's be. an interesting book. We'll anyway, save it for another time. We'll save it. We never run out of things to say. No. Look forward to your comments. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.